of the Macedonians and also commanded to the Corinthians to fill up what they said they would do with their actions. Here now the reading of God's holy word, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would finish, also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have." For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality, as it is written." He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent him, sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is being administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with him our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ." Wherefore, show ye to them, and before the churches, 
the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Many important lessons in this passage that we've read together. Notice that the grace of God was bestowed on the churches. When we think of good works, do we think of them as something we give to God? Or do we think of them as something that God gave to us? The scriptures think of them as something God graced us with. God's grace was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That's why they gave. Because of God's grace, not because of their goodness. God gets the glory, and there is therefore no place for boasting. Notice in a great trial of affliction that they gave of their want. Now, trials are sent to test us and to prove what exactly is going on in this person's heart. What's the real inner core of this person? We might think that we're good, but when we're tried, we find out we're not actually that good. When we suffer, we find out, well, I'm not actually that patient. I think I'm patient when everything's going well and I'm fat and happy and everything's, my tummy's full and I'm, I've had plenty of sleep, then I'm fine. Oh, find me when I'm angry, when I'm hungry, when I'm sick. God sends afflictions to try us, to prove us, so that we may walk more closely to him. We should not reject trials as a bad thing, but we should improve upon them by God's grace. And that's what the Macedonians did. It says, out of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Liberality is where you're free in giving. You're not tight-fisted. You're not miserly. So because of their trials that they experienced, they had learned to give thanks in all things, to rejoice evermore, even in difficult circumstances like poverty, and they were free in giving to those who had need. This is pretty amazing. It's like the widow's two mites. Remember her. She gave of her want, of her poverty, but her spirit was right with God, her thoughts and her motivations They were willing of themselves, he said. They weren't forced by anyone to do this giving. This wasn't compulsory giving. This was voluntary. The tithe is compulsory. God requires it in his law. These are not tithes that they were giving. These are gifts to the poor saints. This is how they equalize the church of God in that sense. Macedonians give it one time. The Corinthians give it another time. It's not compulsory. It happens on occasion. Notice here, he refers to the fellowship of the ministering to the saints in verse 4. Now, when we talk about ministering to the saints, it doesn't mean they made graven images of the saints in the Old and New Testament, and then they bowed down and ministered to them by offering incense. No. It means that they gave gifts to those saints who were at Jerusalem, those in Judea, those poor Jewish brethren. It's not the heathen worship of departed heroes, in other words. It's not believing in their goodness and following in it in some semi-heathen manner. Rather, it is believing that Jesus Christ has called us to meet the needs, the practical needs of his people. So let us be about that very thing, looking after the needs of God's people, finding ways to love and serve one another. And notice verse 5, first they gave of their own selves, to the Lord and us by the will of God. Material giving is secondary. Primary giving is to God himself. 
He says that as ye had begun, so he would finish in you. So when Titus comes, I want him to finish and complete the work. Don't leave the work of God undone. Don't make it half finished. Make it all the way finished by God's help. Then verses 7 through 15, we have Paul proceeding to urge this duty with very reasonable arguments he makes. He says that they would abound in this grace as they abounded in all these other graces, so now abound in the grace of giving. Christianity is not picking and choosing the parts that are appealing to us or that we find easy, as the Corinthians might have done. Oh, well, we're good at speaking forth the oracles of God, or we're good at being zealous at repentance like Paul told us to. No, he says all of the graces of Christians, including generosity with your fellow believers, we are to abound in all of those. He did not command them to do this, he says in verse 8. Tithes can be commanded, as I mentioned. God commands them in his law. But however, free giving is not commanded. It is not compulsory. It is not by a law. It is not by an external standard that says, if you get this much increase, you give this much. No. It is given even out of poverty, as the Macedonians are an instance. These things must be freely given, voluntarily. Charity cannot be forced, unlike the communists believe. He says that this was to prove the sincerity of their love. You say you love the saints. You say you'll give to them. Now prove it by your actions, in other words. And then notice verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've experienced the grace of Christ, haven't you? You know that though he was rich, fully God in all eternity, yet what did he do? He came down among men. He descended to the lower parts of the earth. He was born of a virgin. He he was crucified and died and was buried. You know the grace of Christ. And so therefore, based off of that, that you were made rich through the poverty of Christ, so you should have that same mindset toward your brethren. I notice then that gospel grace that we receive from Christ is to have its effect in our love and graces given to others. It's pretty simple, basic Christian doctrine. God has forgiven you, therefore you should forgive others. Christ has made you rich by his poverty, therefore you should do likewise for the saints. Let us then forgive as God has forgiven us, love as God has loved, give as Christ has given, comfort as the Father has comforted us. He says that giving in this way is not according to what you do not have in verse 12. God, again, does not measure the gift by the substance, but by the inner working of the mind. And then he says that there, in the Old Testament they had an equality One would gather more, one would gather less of the manna, but they all had enough. And so likewise, there would be an equality in this case. And then finally, in verses 16 through 24, we have a commendation of those who were employed in this matter. He says, Thanks be to God who put the same earnest care in the heart of Titus. Titus didn't put this care in his own heart. God put it in his heart. We cannot then boast of anything that we do for God. His praise was in the gospel, he says. The preaching of the gospel, that is.
pardon me for being seated here. Um, he refers to the praise of the gospel, and then in verse 20, avoiding this, that no man should blame us. They did not want to have occasions for people to blame them for the ministering to the saints. They did not want to be thought as robbers or those who stole or who embezzled funds. They rather wanted to be honest in the sight, not only of the Lord, but in the sight of men, verse 21 tells us. We must consider the moral judgments that men make if they are according to God's law. It's very important and relevant that we consider those judgments. We must avoid then the appearance of evil, not just the doing of evil. We must do nothing in secret or in the dark. Billy Graham had a rule that he would never be alone with another woman except for his wife. He avoided the occasions of temptation. And thus far the explanation of God's holy word from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Please open your Psalters to Psalm 45, verses 8 through 17, pages 96 and 97. 